Greetings, fellow tech seekers. Sean from Silicon Theory here, and as always, lots going on in the world of tech. So let's get to it. This is what was new and interesting from Google, Apple, and everyone else for the week ending October 21st, 2018. This is ST Weekly. So first up, the uh, tech report would not be complete without news for the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL devices, which started reaching uh, pre-orders hands this week, ours included. Now, the early reviews of the Pixel 3 and Pixel XL, Pixel 3 XL were pretty much outstanding, and it seemed very much like that Google had resolved most of the issues from the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL launches. Now. That doesn't mean that uh, Google launch was free of any controversy because I think we both know that that is very unlikely to happen. So the first uh, story was that the iFixit folks tore down both of the devices and that while the Pixel 3 XL shares a display of Samsung's manufacturer, the Pixel 3, the smaller device, shares uh, its display being manufactured by LG. So as you probably recall, in uh, the Pixel 2 XL launch, there were significant concerns about LG display display's ability to manufacture a quality OLED panel, and while initially there were folks that seemed to believe that the Pixel 3 was a Samsung-made panel, that turned out to not be the case, and subsequently reports of quality control issues have surfaced. So there are quite a few folks who are saying that their displays are fine and that everything looks good, but there are also quite a few reports of people reporting issues of the same type of graininess that they had last year with the Pixel 2 XL, the reports of the device's display being very warm. Uh, meaning that it has a pinkish hue at either the top or the bottom or both. And there are some, and I've seen these in Reddit threads in our Google Pixel, but there's some where the quality control clearly was lacking because at very low brightness levels, you can definitely see blotchiness and other disturbances in the display's panels uh, overall quality. So this is definitely a concern. Um, you know, Google has at various points agreed to RMA the devi these devices and at various points denied being able to RNA RMA them and potentially have, have indicated to some people that the warm tone is just a result of the color calibration and the way that the display is tuned, which I'm pretty sure that if most of these support people were able to see the actual quality and the photos that I've seen, that they definitely would know that is actually a manufacturing defect and not something about the display's tuning. I myself have tested my display extensively. I'm toying with the idea of doing a video on that as well, just to kind of give you an idea of what the difference looks like. But for now, I've used a display tester that is used when checking for dead pixels. And my display, for the most part, seems to be relatively uniform, which is good considering the price that's paid. And I think that's really the biggest concern of some of these folks is that at a minimum starting price of $799, you definitely expect a much higher quality display. And certainly the initial reports that these panels were both being made by Samsung gave people a lot of encouraging signs that the phone would actually be worth it. And now with LG display panels being used, there's pretty much a lottery style system where you never know what you're gonna get. So that's definitely one of the issues that the Pixel 3 has suffered through since launch. Now, there is another, and this is reported first by um, Artem over at Android Police. And Android Police has an article this weekend detailing what they believe that the Google Pixel 3 XL in particular may suffer from, and that's poor RAM management issues. Now, there's some discussion as to whether or not this is actually a result of the device having just, and I'll use just in air quotes, four gigs of RAM, but many other flagships, as you've probably seen this year, come with as many as six or eight gigs of RAM, and that's the ability to store uh, 
apps in memory and quickly be able to switch between them. So this particular aspect does not, at least in my opinion, appear to be the result of uh, the quantity of RAM, but specifically the way that apps are being managed in this memory. And it could be an over-aggressiveness or it could be just that the apps are very poorly optimized to take advantage of the memory and in fact are either eating up too much of it or not using enough. And it's definitely something that, if that is the case, is fixable in software. Bart Artem is reporting and uh, well-known YouTuber MKBHD indicated this in his review of the Pixel 3 XL as well, that the device seems to drop music players from memory when you launch the camera app and attempt to take photos. In some instances, just launching the camera app itself is enough to get the background music players to dump the music from memory and basically end your music session. Others are reporting that audio apps for podcasts like Pocket Casts, which we use also, are afflicted by this as well. And it seems that in these particular instances, the camera APK may itself be to blame for this. Again, Google is using a very powerful algorithm in their HDR Plus formatting and uh, other features like Top Shot and the Google Lens feature may be consuming a significant amount of system resources, so much so that it, the app management is telling other apps to get out of memory because the camera needs it more. And that would be definitely a concern, but also is something that could potentially be addressed in the future. Now, this looks almost and feels almost like a Pandora's box kind of situation because once you start tuning the way that apps manage memory, things can go really, really badly or things could go relatively good. And the opportunity for things to go much more badly is the higher probability. So we'll definitely stay on top of this. For the record, my Pixel 3 device, the smaller device, which has the exact same amount of RAM, I have not been able to reproduce this issue. I have seen several apps, uh, Chrome in particular, begin to redraw when um, I'm using large quantities of apps. And I'm not someone who has a very large quantity of apps in memory at any given time, but the end result is that Chrome will have to redraw. Pocket Cast has had to redraw at various different points in time, but the app loads them into memory and launches them so quickly that you know one or two seconds delay is not something that will significantly uh, impact my user experience with this device. So far I've got really nothing bad to say about the Pixel 3. My device does have a warmer uh, hue to it, but the whites are white and relatively clean. There's no blotchiness even at low light levels. So both the display issues and the RAM management issues that have been reported have not impacted me personally. And I've attempted to reproduce this using Google Play Music, which is pretty much my music streaming service of choice at the moment. And I was able to launch Google Play Music, play a song in the background, minimize the app, launch the camera app, snap a couple of photos in quick succession, and the music played during the entire session. So again, hopefully this is something that may be very specific to unique devices and may be something that Google can manage through a software update in the future, much like they mitigated the burn-in issues that were reported with the Pixel 2 XL's issues last year. But the long and the short of it is, I don't think Google is probably ever, at any point in our lifetime, gonna launch a phone that is free of some kind of issue. Apple Report. So in Apple news this week, Apple has announced their long anticipated second hardware event, and that is to come on October 30th. Now, the specific rumors around this event are focused almost exclusively on iPad, 
as well as the littler MacBook. And the biggest change that potentially may happen is the uh, new design that was introduced with the iPhone X and subsequently been reintroduced with the iPhone XS, XS Max, and XR is that the uh, iPads will have a much smaller bezels all the way around, will eliminate the physical home button, use Face ID to unlock, and also potentially make the switch from Lightning to USB-C. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with the connection type on your iPad. Currently, Apple uses a proprietary connector called the Lightning Connection to basically charge, transfer data, and otherwise connect the iPad to other peripherals. USB-C is the input-output uh, connection that's currently being used on all current generation MacBooks and MacBook Pros. And there's been some complaints that with the removal of the USB-A, which is kind of like that big rectangular connection, um, that you're not able to connect your iPad to a MacBook. And that's a significant uh, downgrade in usability for those that are heavily invested in the Apple ecosystem. So having said that, the fact that Apple is actually making a change to a much more universal standard instead of using their own proprietary connection technology, and this goes back years and years and years with the pin dock connectors for the iPods, with the MagSafe connectors on the old MacBook Pros, all of these were proprietary Apple technology and ended up making people buy a significant amount of Apple exclusive peripherals. So a switch to USB-C would not only allow people potentially to connect their iPads to their MacBook Pros, but it also would allow them to connect to other devices which support the USB-C standard, which at this point is a significant amount of other Windows-based computers and laptops, as well as Android-based smartphones. So there's some pretty interesting stuff there, and we're definitely going to keep an eye on this event. I believe it's in New York City, and uh, what's news to come in the Everyone Else report is that Apple kind of upstaged another event that's going on in New York that was previously scheduled for that exact same day. So Apple, in its effervescent and ebullient way has basically taken over the news cycle even when the news cycle belonged to somebody else. Everyone else report. So the company that I'm speaking of, of course, is OnePlus. They had previously scheduled the launch of their OnePlus 6T smartphone for October 30th in New York and announced this week that they were rescheduling to uh, a day earlier on October 29th in the same location in order to be able to not have to compete with the Apple hardware event. This may be one of the first times that I've ever heard of a smartphone company rescheduling an entire launch event around a decision that Apple has made. And eh, while there's probably some overlap with Apple enthusiasts and folks who are in, into the uh, Chinese OEM's uh, relatively moderate following, I would think that there are probably not going to be too many people who are going to bail on OnePlus in order to go to the Apple event. Now, that would certainly include many prominent tech enthusiasts, tech influencers, and tech YouTubers because they absolutely would bail on the OnePlus event for the Apple event, even if it only meant that they were going to get the scoop and potentially uh, a review unit of a new iPad or an iPad Pro, which you know, most people are definitely going to want to get their early hands on because as it pertains to content creation, Apple certainly outranks OnePlus by, well, several orders of magnitude. So the end result being that 
Platinum Plus has rescheduled their event for a day earlier, they issued an apology, and one of their executives also offered to pay for travel arrangements for those people who had previously scheduled and booked things like airfare and hotels for that specific day. That's a relatively unheard of thing as well, and also definitely a show of good faith on the part of OnePlus, even if it is mostly self-serving in that kind of way. That's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can support the show by subscribing or favoriting on your favorite podcast player. You can check out our social media content at at Silicon Theory on the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find all of our written content over at SiliconTheory.com. And you can check out our YouTube channel where we're going to have lots and lots of content over the course of the next couple of months, including the Pixel 3 review. We have a LG V40 ThinQ device on order, as well as we should have the Apple iPhone XS Max and XR in-house in the next week or two as well. So lots of good video coverage going on over there. Make sure you head over and subscribe. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, we will talk tech soon.